0: Is this the world we want? Six weeks ago, we began this sermon series on Revelation by looking at how
1: the Bible actually understands apocalypse. In the Bible, the word apocalypse doesn't actually mean the end of the world. It means an unveiling, a revealing of something that was previously hidden that, that cultivates a sense of urgency in how we live. And in the book of Revelation, a man named John experiences an apocalypse, when he's given a vision of God's ultimate reality of victory, standing over and against the evil powers of this world. And his vision unmasks both of them with rich and vivid and biblical images and symbols. And we said that the point of the visions wasn't to invite the churches to hide and passively wait until Jesus comes back and takes everybody away from the mess, but to instead encourage and challenge churches to live faithfully
0: as followers of Jesus, to be faithful in their allegiance to Him and their participation in His mission. The operating assumption is that when a purposeful heavenly
1: backdrop is revealed to lie behind our present earthly life, it should inform the way that we live right now it should be impossible not to be engaged the world that god promises to bring about should inform the world that we shape right now and so we talked about the heavenly vision of worship and how it shapes as we live now with the lamb with jesus on the throne we talked about heavenly vision of church and how it calls us to be a church now that is diverse, that is equal in grace, that honors Christ with word and deed. We talked about how if the end of the story is not about an escape from this world, but a transformation of the world, then following Jesus right now is not an invitation to get away from the mess, but an invitation to see the mess transformed and to be a part of God's transformative work. We talked about how with that beautiful description of the new Jerusalem, that there's a clear but unspoken invitation to align ourselves right now with one of two ways of life. One represented by Babylon and
0: one represented by a city with a garden. And in the midst of this sermon series about how to live
1: urgently and with purpose in light of the end,
0: Buffalo happened. And Santa Anna happened. And just this week, Evaldi happened. Is this the world we want? While We long for God to do what God
1: promises to do one day. We're we're caught in between waiting in pain, longing for a word of hope. And like an apocalypse, the events of the past few weeks have been wake-up calls. For us all. As we stand with unmasked eyes viewing what has happened, we are also confronted with the final words from the entire Bible that are so, so powerfully relevant. It's a promise from Jesus and an active, prayerful response from us. I am coming. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us and transform us, that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray in your name. Amen. Our reading this morning comes from Revelation, the final chapter, chapter 22. I invite you to listen for God's word. Look, I am coming soon. Favored is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy contained in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. When I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had shown them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I'm just a servant, just like you and your brothers and sisters, the prophets and those who keep the word of this scroll. Worship God Look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me to repay all people as their actions deserve. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Favor to those who wash their robes so that they may have the right of access to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the drug users, the spellcasters, those who commit sexual immorality, the murderers, the idolaters, all those who love and practice deception." I, Jesus, have sent my angel to bear witness to all of you about these things for the churches. I'm the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes,
0: life, wishes receive life-giving water as a gift. Now I bear witness to everyone
1: who hears the words of the prophecy contained in this scroll. If anyone adds to them, God will add to that person the plagues that are written in this scroll. If anyone takes away from the words of this scroll of prophecy, God will take away that person's share in the tree of life and the holy city which are described in this scroll. The one who bears witness to these things says, Yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. It's the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, this is literally the end of the Bible, but it represents a beginning because rather than close the book, we're invited to turn the page to our lives and find ourselves now living out the story and finding ourselves in God's drama of salvation. We're invited to move, to do something, to not just sit around and passively wait for things to get worse before God finally makes everything right. Maybe that's why the word come is repeated six times in the final verses. To come means to move towards something. It's inherently inherently a request of movement and an action. Jesus begins verse 7 by saying, Look, I'm coming soon. That's a promise from our Lord and Savior. And then again in verse 12, look, I am coming soon. Then almost like this echoed response in verse 17, the Spirit and the church say, come. Then those who hear this scripture and those who, who are thirsty are invited to come. And then Jesus again repeats the promise, yes, I'm coming soon. And the response is, Amen. Let it be. Come, Lord Jesus. So it's like John is telling us that what comes from heaven in the form of a promise, I am coming, should echo back in prayer and be embodied in a posture that says, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. I am coming. Come, Lord Jesus. This is the liturgy. This is the call
0: and response. This is the movement from the places of longing and pain. It's no surprise that that
1: Revelation's final verses contain a promise that has woven its way throughout the entire biblical narrative, throughout Scripture. When Jesus says, I am coming, He's repeating the promise that God's people have clung to in moments of great pain and tribulation. When God's people are in, in slavery in Egypt, God tells Moses, I've heard the cries of My people, and I am coming to deliver them. In the midst of their exile, Israel's prophets speak this promise. The prophet Isaiah says, Be strong, don't fear, your God will come to save you. The prophet Jeremiah says, When Babylon's 70 years are up, I will come and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. Zechariah says, Rejoice and be glad, daughter Zion, because I am about to come and dwell among you, says the Lord. And Jesus, God fulfill that promise to coming by God coming to live with us as one of us. And after His death and resurrection, Jesus promised His disciples and us that He would one day come again. The New Testament is full of this same hope that what God did in Jesus to rescue and, and restore, God would one day complete in Jesus' return. To churches and And followers of Jesus living amidst their own exile, or their own hardship, or their own pain, or their own persecution, this promise was everything. I'm coming. I'm coming, Jesus says. In John's vision to churches living under the Roman Empire. I am coming, Jesus says, to people in Ubalde or or Buffalo. People cling desperately to this promise, time after time after time in the midst of pain and suffering because when Jesus comes, He will make everything right that is wrong and everything new and whole that is broken. What is bad is not what will be final. And we're standing in that place right now, aren't we? When, When we hear Jesus' promise, I'm coming soon, and we
0: cling desperately to it because where else can we go? As we cling to it in, in the sometimes painful meantime, this promise summons our response. I'm coming, Jesus says. And we respond,
1: Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus is a prayer of hopeful longing when we are standing in the place of pain. We cry it out because in those moments we know just how fragile life is. We know just how fragile we know we are. And we trust that that He is the one who, who holds it all together even when it appears otherwise. And so we pray, come Lord Jesus. We make it our prayer because we see a brokenness that we can't fix on our own, a pain that we can't cure, a depth of darkness and evil that only someone who has faced this darkness and evil head on and come out the other side victorious can deal with. We pray it standing in the gap between the way things are and the way that things should and could be. Because when we know that when, we, we know that when Jesus shows up, there's a peace that we cannot explain. There's a presence that transcends even human company. There's a transformation of the bad into a hopeful future. There is healing. There is wholeness. There is justice. There is mercy. When we see the glorious ending that God has in mind over against the painful realities that confronted us just this week, when we hear Jesus' promise that He is coming, of course, We pray for it to be so.
0: Of course we pray for Jesus to come. We're counting on it. And we're not just counting on it one day in the future. We're counting on it now. Come, Lord Jesus. It's not just a future-oriented
1: prayer. We can't use Jesus' coming back soon as an excuse for lack of present responsibility. Oh, the world is such a mess, there's nothing we can do about it until Jesus comes again. No, come Lord Jesus is a missional rallying cry for Jesus to show up now in and through us, His people, His church. Come Lord Jesus is a
0: missional rallying cry for Jesus to show up now in and through His people, us, the church. This week I thought about the prayer we pray when we celebrate Holy Communion. At
1: one point, we proclaim together the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. There's that promise. But then I say and pray, pour out your Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup. In other words, Jesus, come right now. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we might be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by His blood by your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until one day, until one day Christ comes again in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. You hear that? We have a job to do while we anticipate Christ coming again. We're missing the whole point of revelation. We're missing the whole point of following Jesus. Frankly, the whole point of prayer and the point of communion if we're quick to cry out, come Lord Jesus, when something happens and then just sit on the sidelines waiting for the Calvary. This is to deny the ability of Jesus and the power of Jesus to show up right now in and through His people, in and through us. Because guess what? God has always operated in this strange and beautiful way of partnering with human beings to accomplish God's purposes and to embody God's presence. When we cry out, come Lord Jesus, we need to remember that we are the way that Jesus arrives on the scene right now. Not because God has to do things that way, but because God chooses to do so. Jesus comes in the here and now in the places of pain, often through people willing to stand in the places of pain with those experiencing it. Jesus comes in the here and the now to transform and make things new and right, often through people courageously willing and compelled by love to work for justice and transformation
0: when things are just plain wrong. Remember, friends, the whole... Point of Revelation is to challenge and comfort
1: churches living under the violence of the Roman Empire to live faithfully in the present in light of God's ultimate victorious plan. When they cried and prayed, come Lord Jesus, they were empowered to live it out. To live in such a way that showed what it's like when Jesus comes.
0: Come Lord Jesus gave them the strength to see and witness against and dismantle
1: the idols and idolatry of Rome all around. The hope of the world to come wasn't a means to do nothing. It was a means to do something. Friends, the the same must be said of us. We lament. Yes. We pray. Yes. We cry, come Lord Jesus, because Jesus promises that He is coming. Yes. And precisely because we do,
0: we're empowered. We're expected to get to work in the name of the Jesus to whom we pray. There is something deeply problematic, dare I say sinful, about praying for a problem we are unwilling to resolve. Just as it was for the early Christians, Revelation was written to expose and dismantle
1: idols. Come, Lord Jesus, from Revelation is a call to expose and witness against the idols of violence and guns in this country. Just as it was for the Christians living under Rome, Come, Lord Jesus, rallies us to be a part of Jesus' continued presence in the world to transform. And yes, that means that prayer is inherently political. You see, the Bible doesn't have neat separate categories for spiritual and political because faith is supposed to be one integrated life. Following Jesus is supposed to be one integrated life. Politics at its core is simply organizing to ensure the governing and welfare of people for common good and flourishing. If prayer moves us to make the world in which we live a better place, it's political. If it doesn't motivate us to do that, guess what? It's still political because inaction also affects the welfare of people. So to think that we can pray and not get political misses the point. The question is, are the ways that we are political, as in are the ways that we are organizing to seek the welfare and work for the common good, for God's kingdom, for people made in God's
0: image, Are they shaped by the ways of Jesus and the hope of the world to come or not? If we're
1: praying, come Lord Jesus, if we're praying, as we do every time we say the Lord's prayer, let your kingdom come
0: on earth as it is in heaven, they better be. Praying, come Lord Jesus, and then not acting on its implications is like
1: giving thanks over food and then not eating it. It's like praying for your kids to know how much God loves them and then never showing them through your own actions. It's like praying for God to help those who are less fortunate and then when we have an opportunity to do that, not doing anything. It's like asking God to help you grow spiritually and then never picking up your Bible or or coming to worship. It's like praying for justice
0: when something is just flat out wrong at a systemic level but being unwilling to seek change from elected officials or laws. Deep
1: down, we know, friends, we know when we pray for people who are hurting, that prayer is supposed to empower us to minister to them, to be available to them,
0: and to help us figure out a way to ensure that the same people are not being hurt again and again and again. Praying,
1: come, Lord Jesus, echoing that cry from Revelation is to be empowered to embody the presence and ministry of Jesus in the wake of the tragedies that have occurred this week. This kind of prayer, come Lord Jesus, this kind of prayer should move our hearts and our minds and our hands and our feet to do something. Like contact our elected officials, like, like naming and confessing and repenting of the gun idol we have made in this nation. Like advocating for some kind of common sense, common ground gun reform. Like changing, like working for change for social media. Like connecting with local schools to make sure teachers and staff and students know they're supported. Like supporting better health care available in equitable ways to all people, including mental health. Come Lord Jesus is meant to be embodied and lived out. We embody come Lord Jesus now every time we make the more beautiful, every time we make the world more beautiful because Jesus promised He is coming and when He does, He'll make everything beautiful. We embody come Lord Jesus now every time we do the hard work of justice because Jesus promised that He is coming and when He comes, He will set every wrong to right. We embody come Lord Jesus now every time we help to heal what's broken because Jesus promised He is coming and when He comes, He will set every wrong it, when he will make all creation perfectly whole. We embody come Lord Jesus now every time that we help someone in need because Jesus promised He is coming and when He comes we'll discover that whatever we did for the least we did for Him. We embody come Lord Jesus now every time that we tell our children about how much Jesus loves them because Jesus promised He is coming and when He comes they'll see that love face to face. We embody come Lord Jesus now every time that we invite someone into the community of faith because Jesus promised he is coming and when he comes we will all be invited to dine with him. We embody come Lord Jesus now every time that we gather for worship and give praise to to God because Jesus promised he is coming and when he comes our every breath will be worship. We embody come Lord Jesus now Every time that we weep with those who weep and give sacred space for their tears to fall and land softly because Jesus promised He is coming and when He comes, He will wipe away every tear. We embody, come Lord Jesus now, every time that we welcome someone who has been excluded in other spaces because Jesus promised He is coming and when He comes, they'll be the first in line. We We embody come Lord Jesus now every time we give ourselves away in generosity because Jesus promised He is coming and when Jesus comes, His abundant presence will
0: fill all things. And we embody come Lord Jesus now every time we seek to be a part of the change that
1: leads to less gun deaths in this country because Jesus promised He is coming and when He comes,
0: guns will be beaten into garden tools and swords into to plowshares. I'm coming. Come, Lord Jesus. There is a sense of beautiful urgency about this.
1: It's a prayer of hopeful longing when we're standing in the places of pain. It's also a missional rallying cry
0: for Jesus to show up now in and through his people. Church. The world that God promises to bring about when Jesus comes again should inform the world that we shape right now. I'm coming. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Is this the world we want? Let's get to praying, let's get to working. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.